Welcome to another week of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. After last week's episode where I chatted with Crystal Richardson, a midwife and mum of twin boys about her experience having a molar pregnancy, I thought it might be helpful to talk more thoroughly about a few of the different types or ways that pregnancy loss occurs. I also put it out to the Mum Will Know Facebook and Instagram communities that we'd be covering miscarriage this week, and I asked for listeners to share anything of their experience that would be helpful for others to know. In particular, uh, what were some positive ways to support someone through miscarriage, and what were the unhelpful things to say or do that we can avoid when trying to love and support someone through a miscarriage experience. I'll be touching on some very sensitive topics here and I am aware that there are many different ways to talk about miscarriage or early pregnancy loss. Phrases like failed pregnancy, spontaneous abortion, talking about the baby as an embryo or fetus or products of conception can be jarring and not take into consideration people's feelings about the loss of their baby. So I apologize if I refer to or describe some of these experiences with words that you find difficult to hear, but I'll try to be as sensitive and caring as possible. I will be referring to pregnancy loss as miscarriage and talking about babies being miscarried. I'll also describe women who have miscarried as the mother because they are the baby's mum, even if that baby didn't make it to term or home with them. I'll also let you know that I have experienced a miscarriage myself, which I touched on in episode two, where I tell my birth story. So I've had a bit of personal experience as well as some professional experience in managing miscarriage. However, I also recognize that people handle pregnancy loss in a range of different ways. And just because I have one experience doesn't mean that I know what others have felt. Because it is such a sad experience, often pregnancy loss isn't spoken about, which can mean if you do end up going through it, you can feel alone and not well supported. Or on the other side, if you know someone who is going through pregnancy loss, you often don't really know what to say or how to react. So I hope today, despite being quite grim, uh, will be really helpful in setting you up to know a bit more about pregnancy loss and it can equip you to face loss in a different light, whether your own or someone else's. Today in particular, I'm focusing on miscarriages because the whole scope of pregnancy loss covers a range of different classifications. Uh, In Australia, miscarriages are defined as pregnancies that spontaneously end before 20 weeks gestation. After 20 weeks, the loss of a baby and pregnancy is known as a stillbirth. Uh, Most miscarriages occur in the first trimester, so that's the first 12 weeks. And they're generally due to the fact that the baby wasn't healthy, um, which means that basically it had some sort of abnormality. Uh, It's estimated that up to 50% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. Uh, However, a lot of these occur before a woman would even know she's pregnant and the bleeding is often mistaken as a period. Um, A more familiar statistic is one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And that's just because, yeah, a lot of those um, miscarriages would be happening before we'd know about them. Uh, So I'll go into some of the different categories of miscarriage now, which I think are helpful to understand, more for yourself if you experience something like this, but I think it's also helpful to be switched on about these topics in case a friend does share with you their experience. 
often because it's such a hard topic to talk about, they may just say they've had a miscarriage or they may say they've had some type of miscarriage, but it can feel strange asking further questions about it. So having some background knowledge might just help you as a friend feel like you have an understanding of what may be going on uh, in order to make you feel more comfortable as a support person. All right, so I'll start with threatened miscarriage. So usually the first signs of miscarriage include vaginal bleeding or spotting, uh, along with pain in the abdomen, sometimes the lower back. However, these symptoms are also quite common in pregnancies that progress to full term. Uh, So bleeding can be due to a range of reasons, including implantation of the embryo into the lining of the uterus, or later in the pregnancy, it can be due to the positioning of the placenta, which, you know, may be sitting over the cervix, among other reasons as well for bleeding. So with a threatened miscarriage, the symptoms of miscarriage appear, so the bleeding and the pain. However, the cervix, when it's examined, uh, is closed and the baby continues to grow appropriately for its gestation. So these symptoms can obviously cause a lot of anxiety and presentation to either the emergency department or a public hospital's EPAS, which is Early Pregnancy Assessment Service, uh, is a great way to be assessed and counselled on what's going on. Um, Next, I'll talk about inevitable miscarriage. So this is basically if the vaginal bleeding occurs, along with the pain as well, but it's not stopping. Uh, And then when the cervix is examined or viewed, sorry, uh, it appears to be opening. So it's pretty much impossible in this case to prevent a miscarriage. Uh, Women generally report feeling strong abdominal pain and contractions until the baby is delivered. And then there's what's known as a complete miscarriage. So all of what's known as the products of conception or the pregnancy tissue has left the mother's body depending on the timing that the miscarriage occurs, will determine whether the passing of the pregnancy appears like a heavy period or if it's further along, you may actually see um, the resemblance of a small baby and a placenta. Uh, When a miscarriage is complete, the symptoms of pain and bleeding normally stop. And following a miscarriage, women generally require a blood test which checks the hormone level, beta-HCG, to check that they're falling either to zero or to below five, uh, which shows that the body is no longer looking after a pregnancy. Then there's incomplete miscarriage. So sometimes not all of the products of conception or pregnancy tissue miscarries, uh, which is known as an incomplete miscarriage. This is normally picked up either by the blood test that I just mentioned, which shows that the beta-HCG actually isn't decreasing, it's not getting to under five. Uh, And symptoms of miscarriage may continue like the pain and bleeding. Because the uterus still contains some part of the pregnancy, the cervical os or the opening remains open, which can increase your risk for infection. To diagnose an incomplete miscarriage, an ultrasound may be performed, which can identify retained products. And from here, a woman can choose to either wait for the rest of the pregnancy to miscarry, uh, often while taking oral antibiotics to prevent infection. Or she may be offered a DNC, which is a dilatation and curatage. Uh, and that's basically a surgical procedure under a general anesthetic. It's quite a short operation. Um, it usually is just through day surgery. And it's where an obstetrician enters the uterus through the cervix and scrapes the internal lining of the uterus, um, meaning that anything that's left there will be scraped out. 
Uh, the uterus can then clamp together and return to the pre-pregnant state and the cervix can close up again. Again, following a DNC, blood tests will be performed to ensure then that the beta-HCG hormone is now falling and shows that the body recognises there's no pregnancy anymore. Uh, the next category I'll touch on is missed or silent miscarriage. So this is the type of miscarriage I actually experienced before falling pregnant with Rupert. Uh, basically, a missed miscarriage is one where the woman doesn't experience any physical symptoms of miscarriage, so like the bleeding and the pain, even though the baby has actually died. Uh, it means that the baby or the products of conception remain inside the uterus. And as you can imagine, if you're not experiencing pain and bleeding, you tend to just keep on tracking through the pregnancy thinking that the baby is growing normally. You then attend either an ultrasound, in my case the dating scan at eight weeks, or a doctor's appointment expecting everything to be normal, uh, but then they go to listen to the heartbeat and no heartbeat is found. Uh, often because it's early in the pregnancy and checkups are fairly spread out at that point, the baby can appear far smaller than you'd expected for how far along in the pregnancy that you think you are. In my case, I went along to the dating scan expecting to be about eight weeks, uh, but the baby was only measuring just under six weeks with no heartbeat. Depending on how early in the pregnancy it's discovered, it will be diagnosed as a miscarriage or not. And in my experience, uh, because it was so early and I hadn't had any previous ultrasounds, they didn't want to confirm a miscarriage and instead thought that maybe my dates were wrong, the LMP, as I mentioned in uh, episode one, that maybe they were off. So I had to return in two weeks' time to see if then the baby hadn't grown and it continued to have no heartbeat. That was a long two weeks, as you can imagine. Uh, and with the silent miscarriage, women can be then offered a range of management options, including a DNC, which I've just touched on. Uh, women can also choose to just wait for their body to finally realize it's not needing to look after a baby and naturally miscarries, which is known as expectant management. And then there's also in some hospitals the option for medical management, which is a pill or a pessary taken to speed up the process of miscarrying. Although from what I've read, this option is shown to be linked to increased risk of hemorrhage or bleeding. Uh, now I'll go into some other pregnancy loss uh, categories. So molar pregnancy, uh, this is sometimes following a miscarriage where the beta-HCG doesn't seem to decrease and what's known as a molar pregnancy is diagnosed. A molar pregnancy is basically abnormal growth of the placenta which either stops the baby from developing, which is a complete molar, or it means that the baby develops abnormally and cannot survive, which is a partial molar. A molar pregnancy appears in the same way that a regular pregnancy does with early pregnancy symptoms because of the rise in beta-HCG. And unfortunately, this pregnancy is always going to end. Uh, and once a molar is diagnosed, it needs to be removed from the uterus, which is usually done by a DNC. In some rare cases, a molar pregnancy can cause a rare cancer to develop where chemotherapy will be required to manage it. Obviously, this is quite serious. So not only is the woman losing a pregnancy, but there is the added stresses associated with potential complications. If you're interested to hear more about molar pregnancies, Crystal shares her experience in last week's episode, so don't miss that. Uh, then there's a chemical pregnancy. So a chemical pregnancy is one which miscarries generally in the first five weeks once the embryo attaches to the lining of the uterus. Basically, a pregnancy test confirms early on that there's a rise in the hormone beta-HCG, which means you are pregnant, 
but then a subsequent pregnancy test is negative. At this stage, a baby or a gestational sac is not normally able to be seen on ultrasound, so the pregnancy was based off the hormone tests, either through urine or blood. And despite the fact that this occurs early on, it can still be just as devastating if you've had that initial positive pregnancy test to then only a week or so later have a negative test. Also, because a chemical pregnancy occurs so early on, many women may not even know they are pregnant as the miscarriage can appear like a period. Uh, Ectopic pregnancies. So an ectopic pregnancy is pretty uncommon. It's where fertilized egg implants outside of the uterus and it's most often in the fallopian tube, which is part of the pathway from the ovary to the uterus. It's very serious and it can be life-threatening as the growing pregnancy can cause a rupture of the fallopian tube and then internal bleeding. Even with an ectopic pregnancy, the uterus undergoes the same changes as, as a normal pregnancy, so women may experience the same early pregnancy symptoms. Prior to rupture, an ectopic pregnancy may look similar to miscarriage symptoms. However, if a rupture occurs, most women will experience severe pain and often signs of shock due to internal bleeding. So they are some of the classifications of early pregnancy loss or miscarriage. Obviously, I've really skipped over each of them, only touching on the surface of what's going on. So if you're really interested to know more, definitely do some more reading. Uh, But I do hope this has been helpful getting an idea of how many different miscarriage experiences there are. And of course, every woman is going to experience each of these differently as well. So there's no stock standard. In terms of why miscarriage has occurred, I touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but basically often it's hard to produce any answers or reasons for miscarriage. There also tends to be minimal investigation into why a woman's experienced a miscarriage unless she's experienced three or more consecutive losses. Uh, That's when the doctors will start really investigating what's going on. So the most common reason for miscarriage is due to abnormalities with the embryo, Uh, whether that's genetic defects or chromosomal abnormalities, which make the baby not able to continue developing or survive. It's also understood that miscarriage is more common for women of advanced maternal age, so that's women that are 35 or 40 years and older. And research shows higher rates of miscarriage among women who have infections, things like rubella, herpes, uh, bacterial vaginosis, among others. Uh, And also higher rates are found in women who have some specific autoimmune diseases. Other known causes of miscarriage, and unfortunately for recurrent miscarriage, uh, is uterine abnormalities. So these include things like fibroids um, and also anatomical differences with the uterus. So things like um, different shapes, like a bicornuate uterus where there's a septum, which makes it hard for a baby to grow. Now, I think it's so important to talk about the emotional effect pregnancy loss has on women, their partners, and their families. Research has shown women who experience miscarriage often have significant trauma, grief, psychological distress, and at times anxiety and depression, as well as feelings of guilt and self-blame. In terms of support, women have reported feeling isolated and lonely after miscarrying, and this could be due to a range of reasons. Uh, There's an Australian article called It's Just One of Those Things People Don't Seem to Talk About, Women's Experiences of Social Support Following Miscarriage, and it highlights this uh, societal tradition where women often don't tell their friends and family about pregnancy till after the first trimester, and that that could actually be part of the reason women feel not well supported. 
The article also explains that because miscarriage is such a common occurrence, which can be easily managed, and because it happens so early in the pregnancy, often family and friends can be dismissive of the emotional impact miscarriage can have on women and their families. I find this particularly interesting and really sad that some women aren't feeling that they're receiving the support and care that they might need. But I've also been on the end where I've felt like I don't know how to properly support someone. So for my sake, and I'm sure, well, I hope for many others' sake, I've gathered some responses from you guys, this community, through Instagram and Facebook, so that we can learn what to do and what not to do or say to support our friends and family experiencing miscarriage. So if you did share, I appreciate it so much and you are definitely not alone in this experience and your feelings uh, as so much of what you have shared and written to me has overlapped. All right, so in terms of positive social supports, one of the recurring themes that you shared as positive was talking with other women who had been through it themselves and who could speak hope into it from the other side. That was a big one. Lots of people shared that, yeah, speaking to someone who's had a miscarriage before was just really helpful. Uh, And then just people being there, sitting in this loving silence and and grieving together, not jumping to um, trying again or future hopes and dreams, but this idea that um, you can share in the early joy of being pregnant together and then if a miscarriage happens, you can share in the sorrow together. Um, acknowledging that it's awful and that pain and suffering is valid Um, and, yeah, validating the concerns and the feelings that a woman has, even when you maybe don't understand it. Uh, Physically, hugs, food, flowers, cards, care packages, teas, things that prioritise self-care and encourage physical healing for the woman who's gone through loss. Uh, and acknowledging those medical procedures and physical recovery that actually is hard as well. It's not just emotional. Uh, Texting in and saying that you're thinking about them but not being overly intrusive Uh, and things like saying, I'm sorry for your loss or let me know if you need anything. Um, People shared that uh, they really valued people continuing to check in on them, uh, not just in that initial week or the immediate time that it's happened, but for months and years after. Uh, And remembering the anniversary of the loss or the due date, people acknowledging that that baby did exist is really important. Uh, A few people shared about special mementos that remind them of their baby. Uh, So you could maybe gift something if that's something that uh, a woman or a family might need. Uh, People have planted trees in honour of the the baby passing or have jewellery with like little charms on it that reminds them of of the life that, yeah, that that baby had, however short. Uh, And people also suggested that recommendations of books or contacts or resources about miscarriage uh, would be really helpful Uh, One woman said, I was desperate to relate with someone and understand my feelings and emotions. Uh, Another woman shared that the midwife from the hospital checked in afterwards by phone and that was really helpful. And others shared that talking with a GP about grief and how you're coping was actually really significant as well. And then there are the physical resources like Pink Elephants, Bears of Hope, uh, Panda, Beyond Blue and the Instagram community. Um, some people pointed to the Bible as a comfort, 
and then also hearing other stories of loss, like through podcasts like Australian Birth Stories. And I'm sure the uh, list goes on. I haven't covered everything there, but yeah, there's a lot. Uh, in terms of negative social support or things that we shouldn't be saying, um, a lot of people basically said that they didn't get great support from people who hadn't actually experienced miscarriage, uh, which can be understandable. Um, and then there's a whole host of horrible phrases that people have had said to them, uh, which I'll say because then we can remember not to say them to our friends and family. Things like, you are young, you'll have another, uh, it's for the best, it wasn't meant to be, everything happens for a reason, uh, there was probably something wrong with it, aren't you relieved, at least you know you can get pregnant, it will happen for you, you can just try again. There's always someone worse off than you, and it wasn't really a baby. Uh, saying it's super common um, and that heaps of people experience it can actually lessen uh, how a woman feels about how she responds to the loss. Uh, one woman said, it made me feel like my baby wasn't special or unique and I shouldn't feel too deeply about it. It almost cheapened my grief. And then also people asking how far along in the pregnancy you are when you miscarry. Uh, for some reason, with this idea that the earlier it is, the less you should grieve or it's not as bad. Generally, people just said that uh, it's unhelpful when people are awkward and unsupportive. Um, a lot of people just don't know what to say and, and avoid the topic. Um, they said it was hard when if you'd told someone about the pregnancy and then you'd had a miscarriage, uh, some people didn't acknowledge that um, and they didn't ask about how, how they were doing uh, and that almost undermined their loss. And then also some shared that it was really hard if friends knew that they'd miscarried but then they started talking about um, falling pregnant or wanting to start trying themselves for a baby uh, and, yeah, they found that that was really insensitive. One, one woman shared that people had offered to help but then were too busy to show up when she actually needed it. Uh, I thought I'd read one experience that um, I thought stood out. Uh, one woman says, I didn't tell my parents or in-laws as I knew they would be emotionally draining and take away from my grief. I worried I would have to support them whilst trying to manage it myself. So there's a lot there. Um, I hope it can help you approach pregnancy loss with more confidence, um, more comfort, and uh, definitely more empathy. Uh, the article I mentioned before also shows that those negative and positive social supports that women experience remain vivid long after the experience itself, which I think is very clear through the fact that you guys had so much to share with me. The study ended with recommendations for improved social supports which was suggested by the women interviewed and included things like ending the silence around miscarriage. So that's this idea that this taboo topic, um, getting rid of maybe the tradition of not telling people you're pregnant in those first few months. Uh, another significant recommendation that came up was the importance of showing support, acknowledgement and sensitivity around women's feelings of loss and grief. And that's where women felt they needed better non-judgmental support from people around the miscarriage that experience, which again echoes what this community has shared as well. 
The study concludes that by raising awareness about the frequency, but also about the psychological impact of miscarriage, women and their partners can receive improved and appropriate support from friends and family. I'm keen to hear your thoughts about this idea. In my experience, I found I couldn't not tell my family I was pregnant as soon as I found out that first time round. But uh, after then experiencing a miscarriage, I was much more cautious sharing the news of our second pregnancy as early. I felt like I'd received good support around the miscarriage when it happened, but in my second pregnancy, I almost felt guarded and didn't want to get too excited early on uh, until we'd seen a healthy heartbeat on the ultrasound. It's interesting though, I think after going through a miscarriage experience, I was really happy to openly talk about it, Uh, but when it was happening, I really didn't want to share or to talk about it. Uh, Whereas I had one listener share the opposite in after miscarrying, she then made sure to tell her friends and family about her following pregnancies really early on. She says, we hadn't told anyone except our parents that we were pregnant as we followed the advice to wait. But then when we did miscarry, we wanted those close to us to know so they could support us. I remember calling my brothers and saying, I was pregnant, but now I'm not, which was strange. After that, we always told close friends and family early because we knew we'd want them to support us if it happened again. What's your experience been? Even from reading this study and hearing your responses and experiences, I'm challenged to think about when we have another baby, would I be more likely to share the news of the pregnancy to more people early on? Anyway, I hope this episode hasn't been too grim and that it has created, I guess, a bit more understanding and awareness around miscarriage. If you want to let me know your thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me on Instagram and Facebook at Mamunu. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please share it around and give the podcast a positive review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, guys.